When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. G'day, Mike Hussey here, but you can call me Mr. Supercoach. KFC Supercoach BBL is back and there's 25 grand up for grabs. So what are you waiting for? Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. It's time to cast off on a new adventure. This is Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Good morning and welcome to Real Adventures, Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Habgood joining you here this morning and uh, you might notice a little bit different start of the show, I've done it today and it's for a pretty valid reason organised by Patrick. What, what's that Aaron? <laughs> Some people stand in the darkness. What? What? This is not an ad. <laughs> Do we keep it running? Turn it down. And I think we can have it in the background lightly, can we? <laughs> well, actually, no, turn the crap off because you've organised this yourself. Oh, this yeah. is, <laughs> I don't even know who David Hasselhoff is. Wow. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> Welcome <laughs> to the show, Real oh, yeah. Adventures. We talk fishing, boating, the great outdoors. And a little bit of surf rescue <laughs> during <laughs> the week. A little, little bit, yeah. I was actually a bit disappointed because we didn't get to break this uh, news. I know. Saturday John kills Ralph, us. I think you said, uh, yeah, I know, it's a week late. Johnny Ralph uh, gave you the first call on the Monday morning, I think, from what you said. He did. And, he did, uh, yeah. It's a big, big news. Is, uh, actually, I'll give you some credit. Well done. You, uh, you did save a family's life. So we're not going to joke too much about this because it was pretty bloody serious. And to hear you talk about it was actually... People think that you just jumped in the water and saved a girl that was out too far. But no, you literally saved this family's life. So take us through a little bit of the story. Yeah, well, I was at the beach on uh, Sunday mid-morning. I was just making sure you'd hit record then on the segment, but that's all right, you have. I was, I was hoping you actually didn't. <laughs> Go. Sunday, uh, Sunday morning. First um, day out of isolation too. Yeah, it was. <laughs> I had COVID for the week and then uh, so it took... The kids down the beach, and then had this lady run up to us on the beach, and I brought my board down, and she said, "There's there's people really struggling in the water," and um, so I grabbed my board and, and and ran down as fast as I could. And Unfortunately, it was only your six foot short board; it wasn't your long board. Exactly, and then uh, and paddled out through this this rip that was really really humming, and um, yeah, there was this this young girl, little Josephine, and her mum Julie, and, and a friend who were out in the water, and, and Josephine had gotten caught. And then mum's gone down to help mm. out. The friend's gone down to help out, and they've all been caught in this rip. And they'd been out there for a while, and um, yeah, so it was it was pretty hairy out there. And then um, you know, sort of, I jumped on either either leg, and I started to sort of paddle lateral to the to the um, to the rip because you never paddle against the rip. It's impossible to ever try yep. and out muscle uh, mother nature. So we were just trying to basically work our way out of this rip, and then would would slowly etch our way into shore. Um, and then all of a sudden, after sort of 10, 15 minutes, the, the Westpac shopper, um, you know, was flying over over top and it was then it wasn't about, okay, we don't need to get in. We just need to um, sort of bide our time before the, the skidoos arrive. And, and sure, surely enough, you know, 30 seconds later, a minute later, um, the the jet skis came in and then they were, they were so efficient in, in picking up um, 
the girls and bringing them to the beach and they had the um, ambulances there like it was all happening so it was so obviously a, um, someone called the police from the beach exactly right yep so there's a few passers-by that sort of noticed how sort of what was happening and then um yeah they, they got to shore and and she was pretty shaken up little josephine um as you would be. And, and obviously cold, they'd been in the water for probably half an hour, which, which none of us had really recognised because it's, it's not really a patrolled part of um, that stretch of beach, which is about sort of five, six k's long. So It's probably, Fairhaven's probably the closest. It is, yeah. So what's yep, that, yep. five k? No, no, it's, it's, it's relatively close, sort of a k and a half, but it's, oh, yeah, you know, right it's right. not between the flags. So, um, yeah, they, they were down there super quickly and it, it just reinforces to me... Um, Fairhaven Surf Life Saving Club is really well resourced. Um, they've got really good backers there, but not every sort of local surf club around the country has that same sort of financial support yep. to be able to get the the buggies, to be able to buy jet skis, cars, all those sorts of things. So, um, for anyone listening, you know, out there, you know, the next time you have your local surf life saving club out there with the volunteers that go around to people's houses or are rattling the tins, make sure you donate because um, the fact that they were oh, able the jet to, ski. yeah, they had the jet skis there straight away. Like, you know, not everyone has that, and that's the the lesson of it. That, that these guys are, are here to to help and to um, to save lives, and you know they can't do that without um, without you know people donating generously to to what they do, and um, it just reinforced how how lucky we are as sort of a, a region. And um, yeah, it was it was hairy, but it was wonderful to see them safe and sound and. I took the kids around there later because they were holidaying in Mogs for the weekend, and we dropped some some Easter eggs and <laughs> all all's well that ends well, Redmond. Well, I was more don't get me wrong, you've done a magnificent job, but uh, I was more impressed with the media, to be honest with you, because it's the first article in six years I've been pretty good friends with. It was a good article about you. <laughs> so it, was wasn't a, it wasn't negative. It was also it was a little bit in shock at the time, probably not as in shock as the young girl was, but it was close with the, just the media's work. So, uh, well, what well on to the media for being. Nice. <laughs> For a change. Hey, let's get into the show. Now, it's been a big week in the marine space because Mercury have teased their electronic outboard concept, Redmond, during the week. And this one, this one got us talking because it's their electric outboard brand avatar. And essentially, it looks exactly like any other outboard, except there's an interchangeable battery that... that would be interchanged through the top cowling. So for all the questions around um, and the, the reticence around, oh, you know, range, all these sorts of things, you can't, if you ran out of fuel, you can't fill it up, you can't mm. have someone pass your jerry can. Well, you could, you could bring an extra battery and then just change it and away you go. So this was released at the Miami International Boat Show. One of the all-time... It's one of our bucket list items. I would actually... It's, I'm not into the boat shows a hell of a lot. I would like to go to that. But Miami's just totally <laughs> yeah, different. I would like to go to that. Probably yeah. Las Vegas more, but I'd like to go to that. <laughs> so so this is this is Merck's first real um, foray into into really investing heavily into what a an electrified outboard engine could look like because it looks so similar to what a normal engine is, Redmond. Yeah, I, how I like to compare this is sort of, at the moment, it's sort of like eating lentils instead of meat. Is it, is it all right to say that? Because I know you're pretty passionate about this. Oh, well, I just think it's the future. <laughs> like the biggest player in the market at the moment. It does look, it does look like the future. Like, it sounds dumb, but it does look like the future. Like, look at that. If we're yep. looking at the photo here. I know you can't see it in front of you right now, but it's 
it's pretty smicko. It's got the all your gadgets on the front that tells you obviously the power that you're using, the uh, the battery where it's sitting at. Life, my, life my, range. Well, that was going to yep. be my next question to you. Is the lifespan scares me? I know you said you can take another battery out, but everything. I've got a, just an example. I've got a Dyson at home, and when I'm back into the carpet, it lasts I think seven minutes. Do you, you must have gone the cheaper one. It was a twelve hundred dollars, Patrick. It's bloody expensive, <laughs> and you got to have these things when you got a tornado at home, as you know. But no, seriously, the life. Like, if I'm going all Polo Bay and I'm doing a ten hour day, twelve hour day, or well, it's how not many there. batteries do you need to cover. No, well, it's not there yet. Okay. So that that there's no doubt it's not there yet. But where I do see this being technology that's going to hit the market sooner rather than later is your inland estuary systems, river yeah, systems, yep, yep. where you're not as reliant upon. Like, if if the worst happened, well, you you get to the bank. You can paddle to a bank that's not far away. So it's, I don't think it's it's not ocean use yet, but where it will come into um, its own, I think we'll see the fact that inland river systems, estuary systems, you know, we, we only need to look at where sort of tools have come from in the last, power tools have come from in the last sort of five to ten years. Everything now is these lithium batteries, totally interchangeable, the same power that you get when you used to plug, you know, your, your battery drills in. So are uh, you... Um, your electrified drills into the wall. So I seen a pretty good meme during the week on Facebook. It was a guy broken down on the side of the road with a Tesla that ran out of obviously power, and he had a fuel. Ge- he had a generator, fuel generator next to him. Uh, wanting, sorry, a power generator. <laughs> Needing the fuel to put into the generator <laughs> to charge his car. <laughs> oh, she was good. I was good. I don't remember if I tagged you in it, but <laughs> I uh, I did enjoy that. But I, you know, I've these things when they come around, I'm looking forward to it. But will it be? Will it be in my lifetime? <laughs> my expiry date is not real well, but will it be in your li- <laughs> will it be in your lifetime? <laughs> I reckon we'll see these on the market in the next couple. Of, I, I reckon. You reckon we- next five years? I no before then. I reckon oh, okay. within two yeah, I years. I could probably get more serious about it then. If it's within two years, I reckon we're going to see. Now, it's not going to be 250 horsepower outboards, mm-hmm. but it's going to be your equivalent of your your 10 to 25 horsepower. How do you compare it to, say, just an example, I mean, Coda or a Garmin Force or something? Like, you look at those, they still aren't quite up to, like, they're there for you, like you said. Yeah. Well, it'll be different. It'll be different because quite clearly the. They're, they're set up as almost an auxiliary to your power output, whereas these will be set up. They, these look exactly, to picture it at home, it looks exactly like an 8 to 10 horsepower outboard. There's a new uh, product come out, and I might even try and get it for the show next week. I'll do a bit of research on it. It's it's actually charging your min co- you're charging your min coder batteries and whatnot off the actual engine itself while you're out there. Yeah. I'll have yeah. to find out exactly what it is. If you do know what it is, send it in. I'll, I'll do, I will do some research. Maybe not this week because we're about to talk about my Burmese trip. <laughs> it might be the week after, Patrick, because I'll be out <laughs> catching Marlon this week. No, but I'm serious. There is a good product yeah. that is charging your electric uh, your electric motors at the front of your boat or whatnot, and that's uh, getting you're getting more than a day out of – if you go away, you don't have to charge up that night because yes. your alternator is obviously charging your engine and uh, charging your batteries as your engine's going, but it's not connected to – you mean Coda or a lot of them, or your Garmin Force, whatever you're using as an electric motor. So I might put a bit of research. The, the, the technology sector changing so dramatically. I mean, we're seeing companies like Toyota and Yamaha who I didn't realise, you, you, you informed me during the week, they've been working together for, yeah, nearly 40 for, years. for decades yeah. around technology and they're talking about hydrogen fuel. So maybe it's not necessarily for our big, you know, trailable, maxi trailable boats. Maybe it's not electrified power, but maybe it's hydrogen. Mm. You know, this this sector is such a, a fascinating one. Now, you're packing up the boat. You're doing that, um, well, as we speak, 
essentially, um, heading up to Bermagui. You just want to talk around trailer checks. Now, this is yep. you're taking my 750. It's yep. a new boat, but you've still spent time during the week. You took it up to Melbourne Marine Centre just to have it um, to have it ticked off and to make sure that your trip that's going to be eight hours in the car, there's going to be no hassles. It's not so much the boat side of it all the time, Pat. It's actually the trailer that gets you there. Now, we're running easy tow trailers, and yep. in my opinion, they're right up there with the best. Yeah, so they're as good as it gets. They're as good as they get. And I know nothing's going to happen. I've got Gibber with me, my best mate, who's a mechanic. Like It's all these things. In the back of your pocket, you feel safe. But your trailer has sat, since you've had it, in storage. Yep. It hasn't done anything. It's it's literally been on the road a couple of times, back and forward. It's done that. It's just sat there collecting dust, basically, because your boat's been in the dry stack, and we've yes. been using it out of Queenscliff. So for me, it was going to pick up your trailer, getting it over to Melbourne Marine Centre, and instead of just doing a service, so it was a 20-hour service on your engines, and I got them to look over the boat, make sure all the pumps are working, this and that, because imagine getting out marlin fishing, your live bait doesn't work, tank doesn't work. And you just don't want the frig around, do you? No. On the drive up, or something to go wrong, and then it's like, well, we've just we've been waiting months for this, this trip. This has been the longest sudden... week of my life so far. I've, I've never been this excited. I've had a prick of <laughs> the last four or five months, and this has just been what I've been, it's got me through this trip. So I don't want to be sitting on the side of the road with Gibber going, did you get the trailer check before you go, mate? You idiot when I actually so now Melbourne Marine Centre have pulled the trailer apart they've done the bearings for me and they literally were brand new I just yeah. did it to cover Peace my backside I just did it and, now, and you you've taken it you've taken it one step further when it comes to your preparation because not only have you got um, a mate who's a marine mechanic but you've got Zane who's also a paramedic so if your heart cacks yep. it you're ready to go you I, can be defribbed oh, in the car <laughs> Brought back to life and then continue on your trip to Bermagui. I bring the Tiagras, he brings the Defib. That's part of the deal. It's <laughs> he's, uh, yeah, Zayn doesn't want to have his work cut out for him if the old pacemaker doesn't kick in. But it's uh, speaking of pacemakers, we really actually, shouldn't laugh about. It. Well, I shouldn't if, laugh. If, about if you don't it. laugh, you just you don't have, you got to laugh. You can't be too depressed all the time. It's uh, one thing I do laugh at is I was speaking to Andrew at Melbourne Marine Centre and. Of course, you've got a nice big radar on the top of your boat that you and I probably will never use. But it's it's up there, and Andrew goes to me... Well, you'll use it this week, finding birds. I've got eyes. Well, <laughs> I, I, might, I, I, I might look forward it. to hearing if you do we'll, we'll, use it next the, week. Yeah, we'll be, uh, I'm gonna, I will play around with it, but the only reason I can is because Andrew actually recommended to me, he goes, all right, you've got to be careful with radars. Pat's radar's all right, though. I said, what? what and he goes, what are you, I said, what are you talking about? And he goes, mate... Literally, I had uh, I, it's Tony from Garmin, just by chance. It wasn't to do with me. It was in general conversation about pacemakers get affected really bad by <laughs> radar, <laughs> certain radar, brands of radar. You're one of them that doesn't affect with it, supposedly. So I might not be turning it on. This is going back to what so I was do saying. You reckon, do you reckon <laughs> you'd be, you know, you're standing up in, on the helm and then every time the, the radar started, you know, you, <laughs> and every, like you, you get sort of that little jiggly every time. Oh, you, you get. I wonder, I actually... <laughs> You're standing. You're actually standing. Well, up what, are you, what are you doing? You're just <laughs> buzz, buzz. Aaron, keep us on course, mate. We've got the teasers out. There's a marlin out there. Boom. If it's running out of battery, I've just got to take my shirt off, wear my little hat with a solar panel on it, and charge the pacemaker. You get ten years out of this thing. Oh, yeah. Oh, I don't even know where to take this conversation now. I'll, I'll, anyway. I'll, I'll take. I'll take. It. You've got the trip coming up. We need to get to a break because we've rambled on for far too long. On the other side of the break, uh, we got your weekend fishing. We'll take a look at what's biting right around the country, as well as the social club, and we'll talk a bit about the Burmy trip that's on the horizon. You're listening to Real Adventures. 
You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time to find out what's biting in your part of the country. And remember, when you are heading out, always wear a life jacket. Don't risk your life. Uh, head to lifejacketwearit.com.au and they'll give you all the advice that you need when it comes to the appropriate life jacket for wherever you're fishing, whether it's heading off into the Blue Water Classics or it's heading inland doing a bit of racing and a bit of ski boating, Redmond. Uh, mm. It's always important to wear a life jacket. Where are we headed first? I reckon I could take your boat into any ski racing, motor racing comp, and still win. It goes that fast it's on It's going water. well at the moment, isn't it? It's nearly 100 kilometres on water. We haven't got 100. I'm going to get 100 out of it. We haven't got 100 out of it. Yet. Well, I reckon we were at just 96. over 20. Yeah, and just over 20 hours. So it will get trimmed properly. No fuel. It holds 964 litres, as my bank account's about to find out. <laughs> you know what, this week, because we're... Sorry about before we get into the wrap. I'm, Jake, John Marino, has been kind enough to lend his Land Cruiser to tow your houseboat. And it's, well, uh, <laughs> well, because with people... This is the thing that people forget, Redmond. If you've got a, a, a car that's, that's rated to three and a half tonnes, yep. well, that's fine. But that's all payload. Exactly. And that's gross, the person driving. You've got gross mass. You've got everything yes. that adds into it. So my car can probably just... It's probably your. It's bought along. We've towed it with ours, whether it was legal or not. I don't know if we can say that we did it. It was definitely legal for <laughs> anyone. For anyone listening, it was one hundred percent legal. Was it? Yes. <laughs> We're going with yes. So I borrowed Jake's Land Cruiser to be legal on the road to tow it because we got the boys and a fair bit of gear. More legal. More legal. Real legal. There's <laughs> no grey here. It, it's just more legal. I've seen people get off charges being oh. doing doing. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get back on topic. Well, problem is, it's a two. I think he said it's like a two hundred and fifty liter tank in this Land Cruiser. Fuels say two bucks. Two bucks. Oh my! How, how expensive? Of five hundred dollars to fill the car, and then your boat's three hundred and fifty. It's seven hundred. I'm over a thousand dollars before I even start fishing. Five years ago, you take a kidney into the black market. You're getting twenty. <laughs> now you go there, like, yep, yeah, that'll give you a full full tank of fuel. No worries. It's and Robbie full tank. I mean, I want a boat as well for that. <laughs> like, like, I don't. Know, it's literally going to cost me twelve hundred dollars before I start fishing, mate. That's why I keep telling you, electrification in the marine industry. I actually might actually invite you to this trip <laughs> to cover the fuel for me. <laughs> it's a, anyway. I'm going the marlin fishing. The marlin fishing's going good. Batesman's Bay. There's fish up there, right down, and uh, we have got Scotty. On the show soon from Birmingham Bait and Tackle, who's going to fill us in a little bit. But been so, some good Mary Mary as well. Yeah, Mary Mary. I had two. I, got, yeah. I had two people message me on Instagram saying, "I'm so glad you corrected Pat last week." Mary <laughs> <laughs> Mary, it's uh, Finn's fish is called Mary Mary, my little boy. He calls it. But he uh, Eden Baseman Turos. Uh, it just depends where the water is. Scotty's yes. going to cover it soon, so we'll leave Scotty to do that. I'm going to have a ball up there, whether I catch a fish or not. The Jamo bottle will be dry. Saw shark in Sydney during the week. Sydney Harbour. Now, not your most common thing being caught. It's a big. It was a big one, around thirty to fifty kilo. Was that the worst? Was that the worst footage of a shark attack that you've ever seen? Oh, at you, Sydney you talk, oh yeah, that was. Uh, that was that was unbelievable. I thought it was honestly taking the piss at the start. I thought it was like seal. Yeah, I thought oh, it was, it was like, just. Oh, great. It, was, oh. it turned out to be. It was just shattering. I watched it at the start, sort of like not like laughing in a bad way. I'm like, oh, sure, it's not a person, blah blah. blah. And then to actually. Two seconds later, someone sends me an actual article of it happening. I was like, "It's a real, yeah." Kind of wish I didn't see it. Oh, it was just so so tragic. Kari I mean, didn't believe me. Like I told her, yeah. I said, "Do you want to see something disgusting?" And she's like, "What?" I said, "This is actually a person getting attacked by a shark." And she's like, "No, it's not." I'm like, "And love the water." He was a diver. 
But you know like, what the problem that I don't like to come off the back of that is all this thing, and the, the guy who did pass away, unfortunately, his partner put out a statement saying he would not have wanted that shark to be killed after. No, nah, he was an ocean lover. He was an ocean lover. And we yep. all love that. You're, you're swimming in the waters, and then also, you know, one person who I did feel sorry for was the guy fishing off the rocks yeah. who was doing nothing wrong. He was just fishing, and he's copping massive criticism, saying you've caused the shark to be there. But like, you don't even know. No, like, at the like, time, it's just a sickening incident. Well, at the time, if you've, if you've never been in that situation before, how the hell do you even know what's going no, on? Like, like you, it's so hard to comprehend the shock of shark attacks. Just do not happen. The problem is very, very well, it was rare. The first one in six, it was 60, 60 years, years. Sixty years, yeah. and it's uh, the thing is, as dumb as this sounds, the sharks live in the water. Like the, it's their domain. It's, it's, we, we, no. I die. I'm a diver. If I get taken by a shark, in all honesty, it's not the shark. It's, it's not the, the, it's the risk you take. Yeah, it's part of the you surfing. Blah but, blah blah. But it's, extremely sad and and oh, know, it is. It's shocking. Condolences to the family because yep. it's it's tragic. But he was an ocean lover and yeah, it was. Oof, it looked like shocking. it was fantastic in the water. The fellow I saw some photos of him doing some scuba diving. Yeah, it was it just like, very sad. Loved. Uh, Store shark in the Sydney Harbour, like I was saying, they, that's pretty cool to catch one of those in, in, in the yeah. harbour. Up to nearly, I think it was about thirty. He said about thirty, forty kilo. Might, might even bigger. It was a, it was a good shark, and it was caught on live squid. Uh, Ballenby is fishing really well for snapper, up to eighty centimeters. Uh, but there's a lot of that sort of smaller models, Pat, around that two to three kilos, so that forty yep. to sixty centimeter sort of range. Uh, South Australia, the whiting continue to fire really, really good, as well as the calamari and the tuna. They have not slowed down. Yeah, they're, they're really humming at the moment. Queensland, our good friend Dennis Daly. Uh, I'm actually going to give him a call, I think, soon, because I want a little holiday <laughs> after this Burmy trip. I'm going to need a holiday after this holiday. After your holiday. <laughs> Mission Beach, I loved it up there. And right now, the Spanish mackerel, coral trout, red emperor, pretty yep. much you name anything up the north there, they're catching it. They're there, yeah. WA, now, I just want to read the screenshot unless you've got it in front of you already because I'm going to have to open my phone about those herring that we spoke about, Pat. Oh, lucky I've got it here. The herring stocks have recovered. It's a, a great win for recreational uh, fishers. Now, this is off the rec, uh, the rec Fish West page. Herring is the most important species for the West Coast and the South Coast recreational fishers. That's why it was so great to see the latest fishery science assessment released this morning showing WA herring stocks have successfully recovered. So seven years on after they the, the stock started to go down, they've bounced back. So now there's numerous rule changes. If you do want any information, head to the Rec, uh, uh, Rec Fish West page and cover exactly what you need to see there. Because uh, it's all about the food rec- chain, what the, that's right. the knock-on effects of a really good sustainable herring fishery provide for Rec anglers now, in Western Australia. Correct me if I'm wrong. There's a lot of species around the world that's the same species that's called so many different names. Like yep. A herring to me looks like it's exactly the same as a Tommy Ruffier like a juvenile salmon, but then we even call them um, bay trout. Like, it's just, it's one fish. <laughs> it's three names. Cow high in, in cow New Zealand? Um, your cow, um, Kawai. 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 Kawai yes. is your salmon. Then yep. you've got in South Australia, in WA, they call snapper, which we call snapper here. They call them pink snapper. Like, that's just what they call them different names. <laughs> anyway, there's multiple fish. Uh, you've also got Tassie fishing really well. Yep. Uh, I've stayed away. The kingfish fishing is going pretty good down there, but I've, Stayed away again from the saltwater for the week because I did harp on for a few weeks. So Eddie Stone Point is delivering the goods on big flathead. Now, I said saltwater. This is inland saltwater. Uh, soft plastics catching the bigger flatties and bags of them too, Pat. And they are the tastiest fish in the water, in my opinion. And the plastics are beating the, the – they're definitely catching the bigger fish over the uh, bait fish. The bait, the bait's catching more fish, yeah. but the plastic are getting the bigger ones. So if you can flick around some plastics and fishing above mountain stream – 
uh, some great rounds to three pound court with using just little hard bodies, little Rapala hard bodies or atomic hard bodies, getting it in there under um, any sort of structure is catching you some seriously good brown trout up to three pounds. So they're only small water away, but some really good fishing through there. Beautiful work, Redmond. That is our whip around when we find out what's biting in your part of the country. It's time for a break, and on the other side, Scotty from Bermy Bait and Tackle is going to talk to us about the east coast of Australia, how well it's fishing, and where to find those beautiful big billfish. Gearing up for Dometic. Dometic Patrol, an icebox with a sense of adventure. Everything you need for adventures, big or small. Mobile living made easy. Dometic. It's time for gearing up for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. Scotty from Burmy Bait and Tackle is on the line this morning. We love catching up with Scotty. Aaron, you're headed his way this weekend. You can't wait. It's your number one. It's your first stop once you get to uh, to the region, isn't it? It is. Always head to uh, the tackle store to see what's going on. Scotty's always got the information, as well as the boys, because the good thing is they all fish. You're not just talking to someone at a tackle store that... Sells a couple of uh, pilchards, Patrick. So it's, it. <laughs> it's always good. You can talk about the currents. Good morning, Scotty. Morning, gentlemen. How are we? Well, we're going well. I'm not going quite as well as Aaron because he's headed your way. More importantly, how's the region fishing at the moment, Scotty? Yeah, no, it's been good. We had a little um, water with a bit cold, a bit green for a couple of days, and then it came good. A bit of warm water we had that was had a fair few fish in it, sort of shuffled south to sort of Marimbula there. Uh, last week, and uh, it was a bit slower out the front. Um, some people were crusty on head under there, chipping away, getting a couple of days. A couple of guys fished yesterday out the front of the bait hole. I've got a couple again. They were the only ones out there. The rest turned around and come back. But we've got some fine weather starting now, really, for the next few days. So that water looks to be pushing back to the north. It was sort of around that 36, 44 to 48, and a few south of that, and that sort of pushed its way up and um, a few guys are amongst it today so they haven't had to venture too far they sort of got out over the bottom of the 12 and started trickling south and sort of ran into that water so um, for the whole shape which it should do with they uh, have too much wind and to move around too much over the next few days it's um, a little hold let's uh, just that's good and um Let's just dumb it down a little bit, Scotty. Uh, I know what you're talking about. You've probably confused the hell out of Pat and a few listeners here. Now, it's very, it's very interesting when you say the water. Uh, it's easy for me to just picture exactly what you're saying in your head, moving up and down in the numbers. So you're, you're actually talking about the middle contour lines of, of actually where the shelf is running. He's talking about uh, exactly where the fish are running off the middle numbers. Now, let's go back to the water that you're talking about. What are you actually looking for when you say the water is here? What are you actually looking for? Well, this season we've seen predominantly, you know, most of the fish have been around that, well, 23 to 25 degree water. Yep. Um, we'd like to see the current pushing west onto the shelf itself. And obviously, you know, 90% of your striped marlin fishing is done in 70 to 100 fathoms. And then you're sort of led on the day by yeah, activity and where there may be a pocket of water that's holding a few more fish. So you've sort of basically obviously got good bait and with counter technology these days, these days, guys have got you know, marking fish pretty well dialed in. So they're finding them and they're finding white birds in the way of albatross and mutton birds. And yeah, obviously, we have seals that push you know, together with marlin bait to the surface and create bait balls and we find fish on those. That sort of activity is what we see as we head into March uh, a little bit more. Um, getting, having marlin around here in that first couple of months of the year is a, a little bit more 
quite lucky now. Neck of the woods, it just depends on the current at the start of the season. But as we go into that late February, March, water slows, temperature seems to um, settle a little bit more, and we seem to have the bite becomes a little bit more consistent. The days where you get a push of stronger current and the water might be 25, 6 or 7, we seem to see guys marking a lot more fish, seeing a number of free jumpers during the day, seeing a few fish tailing. But getting a bite can be a, a lot more difficult. Um, and you'll have seen and heard about that over the last month where you know, people have, have missed quite a few fish, seen them, had trouble you know, raising a fish, getting the bite, staying connected. That seems to settle a little bit more as the temperature of the water stays a little bit more steady. It's not as dramatic, it seems. And we get that current just starting to push west. So if we can find 20, either side of 24 degree water, it seems, this year with the current pushing sort of west towards us, that's sort of usually a bit slower. Bait seems to be stacked up stronger and higher, um, you know, most days. And you seem to see the fish seem to settle in that area a bit more and then you have your traditional, you know, where you'll have a really good bite one day, then it might be all right the next day, then it might be doughy the next day, regardless of the conditions. But generally the fish are now in that far south coast region. And then it's a matter of just following that a little bit up and down the coast. But traditionally, your key points out the front of Marimbula, Tathra, Bunga, you know, 12-mile Bermagui, Kink, Churros, become consistent sort of haunts. And it might just be a little bit better bite in one of those areas on any given day, but mostly there's enough boats on water that you've got some direction tomorrow to give you an idea of where you're going to be and give yourself a better chance. And that's sort of it in a nutshell. I think that's a that's a great segue around what other boats are in the region and, and to give yourself a good chance. For those that haven't fished Burmy, for so many right around the country, haven't been able to, to move from state to state, but now that everything's opened back up, that's now available. So there's anglers and we're seeing just how popular the, the marine industry has become, you know, post a, a sort of COVID situation and world that we're hopefully headed towards now. That means there's, there's newer people getting into boating, buying bigger boats, looking at places like Burmy is really one of the, the great places to go and fish around Australia how much work do they need to put into researching the area or is it come into the shop, talk to yourself and talk to your staff around, you know, their best chance of, of you know, targeting billfish even when they haven't ever done it before or they've got this new boat and they want to they test it out, they want to go to Burmy, but it's all new to them? I oh, look, it's fairly straightforward. I mean, obviously, it's crucial on any given day to be fishing the right conditions, but also it's just get your bait first, then you're sort of ready to fish. And then it's a matter of whatever suits certain anglers. But, you know, some people are just starting out. Obviously, they can just pick away with baits, obviously, with the, you know, dredges and a range of towable teasers becoming a, you know, a lot more appealing and certainly proving effective. We're probably, it's a lot, it's a lot more effective now for people who are starting out to cover a little bit more ground than they used to by just finding bait and drifting or ticking baits over the top of, bait schools hoping to catch a marlin. Now they can sort of do this two to three knots, three and a half knots with a dredge. Some guys do five to five and a half knots now and change their live baits more frequently. So you're actually covering more ground. So you're effectively more likely to come across fish, put yourself in the zone. But obviously if you know, you're know you in an area where you've seen half a dozen fish caught around you over two or three hours, 
well, you're not leaving there, then it's a matter of backing the technique on the day. And you might hear guys say, well, you know, we've raised four or five fish on a live bait today and they just, you know, the bait comes up on the surface, plays dead, the fish doesn't follow through. And the guy next to him might have had three bites, you know, off his teaser where he switched to fish or we're certainly seeing that just skip baiting in general is, is, is back and certainly converting a lot more fish this last month than we normally would, you know. So it's, the simple part is if you've got the baits out and you've got the ability to live bait, you can go a bit faster with a dredge than what you used to and you can basically cover ground but you can also adapt on the day to really just rigging up a couple of baits and skipping instead, and then you're doing your five and a half knots. And um, and doing might be, be more effective that week and seems to be converting more fish. And then that might change, obviously, two days later, and the guys on live is ticking away on the dredge only are starting to catch a few more. So not, not much tackle in either. It's just more a matter of um, having, you know, a few bow, you know, arrows in the quiver, and you're and you're underway. Before we get into the bit of the chat about the bacon and egg roll, Patrick, uh, to answer your <laughs> answer your question, the way the weather's looking at the moment, wind's looking good, but I'm pretty sure on the Friday, I think we've got ten to twenty mil, twenty to forty mil Saturday, twenty to forty mil Sunday. You can fish out the front of the shop the way that's looking. <laughs> so we've got a bit of weather coming. So if you are heading up this weekend, make sure you do check. Make sure the weather's going to be sweet because there are some thunderstorms lurking around on the the report at the moment. But the shop is a cracker as well, Pat. I know we're nearly running out of time, but you can head up in the morning there, grab yourself a nice fresh bacon and egg roll as I like to talk about. You don't have to do the cooking in the morning, which is always good. You reckon they're the best bacon and egg rolls on the East Coast of Australia? Anything's good, to be honest with you. When you've been fishing for five days straight, you can't be bothered <laughs> cooking in the morning. That's not talking down Scotty's bacon and egg roll. It's just the fact you don't have to do it. It's done for you and it's not too expensive. So that's always good. But he's always got everything else in store. So if you do lose a dredge bar, I'm going to say it now because I'm going to, I might need to get a new one up there. I hope you got one in stock for me, Scotty. But it's uh, make sure you drop in in the morning. What time do you open? Uh, we're six to six every day. Six to six, which is well before the sun gets up. So make sure you drop in and grab what you need for the day. Scotty, thanks for your time this morning on Real Adventures. Burmy bait and tackle, as we said. It's Aaron's first stop whenever he heads to the region. It should be yours as well if it's an area of the world that you're interested in even got, heading to. He's even got fuel there. You don't even need to go to the solo. One-stop shop. Scotty, thanks for your time. No worries. Thanks, lads. Have a good day. Thank thanks, you. Thanks, Scotty. I'll see you on Friday. That was gearing up for Dometic Mobile Living Made Easy. Red's Review for Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. It's now time for Red's Review, our product review of the week. And this is an important one when it comes to boating, spending time in the water and setting your engine up correctly. We're talking about prop size and propping your engine correctly with the right people doing it, Redmond. I'm glad you said right people are doing it because I'm on the borderline whether I should even be talking about this because it is, <laughs> it is uh, even yourself. Well, this it, is recycled information from you yeah. having spoken to, to Andrew from well, Melbourne Marine. Even propping multiple boats over my so-called fishing career. It's, yep. it's Jake from Geelong Marine World. It, like, right, you know, all the marine dealers, it's, it's what they continually reinforce. It is. And doing it properly and not just grabbing a random guy off Facebook that says that he props engines, don't go down that path. Make sure you speak to your marine dealer because if you do have dramas, you're not going to be covered under warranty. Yep. It's just not going to happen. And when I say do have dramas, you can't just put a prop on an engine and say that it's all of a sudden revving higher and you get more torque and then this. It doesn't work like that. So what's the balance of, oh, I want greater performance from my motor. I'm hearing, you know, I've got my 
200 horsepower, yep. and it can perform like a 250. Yeah. Brilliant. That's exactly what I want. What's the balance between the reality of, well, severely reducing the length and engine life of your, of your motor versus, well, this is what we can get. This is what the experts are recommending. And if you want more, then buy a new motor. I spent hours getting... Well, I know you did on your well, you did on your boat. Andrew did, and I won't lie to you. I did it with the boys from Mercury too. But it's about getting your prop right for what you want, but also matching the specs that it's also recommended. So a lot of testing goes into engines to work out where it should rev to at its max, yep. what speed you should get out of it. And it, it all comes down to its specs and specs. And every prop and pitch of prop, whether it's a three blader, four blader, twenty one inch, five, uh, fifteen inch, sixteen inch, whatever you want to do, it's all going to do different perform, have different performance. So, so if, we so we can talk about top end speed, yep. what you're going to reduce is your real low down grunt and you're out of the hole. Well, so if that's not relevant to the style of fishing you do, then... You, you know. need to chop and change. Yeah, exactly. So, so, And it's about having the guys at Mercury, in my, in my case, they bought, say, 10 props down for the day. Uh, you don't own them. They have their testing props or whatever, and they'll, and they'll literally go from one prop to the next to the next. And, I'll, and for me, it was about having a lot of throwout speed. So yep. I didn't really want to go 100 kilometres on water. I, I was more about, righto, let's... Let, let's cover what I I want to. Oh, let's cover what's the, probably the safest in my fishing, and what yes. I mean by that is I want to have throwout. So I, if I'm crossing the rip, and for instance, when that wave came that time, I could throw myself up. I could I could had enough power to do certain things. I want, I'm crossing the rip and the Barn River all the time. Yeah. Plus, I'm in rough water. I want to be able to get my nose up if the if I'm in the following sea. I want to be able to get the nose up and yeah. get. And You're then, not concerned with hitting ninety kilometers no, an no, hour. No, that wasn't about me. I could have yeah. done a different prop and got top end speed much higher. Yep. The problem is though, you need to match. It, it, it comes down to your revs then. So I then lose. I, I still get good revs out of my engine, which is still in the range that Mercury recommend. But the prop doesn't go. I, I don't. I don't have any speed with those revs. I'm still yep. getting seventy eight kilometers an hour so i'm still moving on water don't get yeah. me wrong i'm not going 20 kilometers an hour yeah. but it was like i said for me it was about the bottom end uh getting the, the the ass really out of the water i really wanted to go so it's also prop, propping boats to have has a purpose as well of actually uh getting more performance out of the hull so for example if you're running a heavy a heavy boat uh Robbie's a, Robbie is a very good friend of mine and he has a, an old school 600C, just to give you an example. And he runs a quite a heavy Honda on the back, 225 Honda. And it's a heavy boat, a heavy engine, it's a heavy big boat. Now, he's, got a, he's now put a four-blade prop on that boat. But his boat, I, the reason I recommended it to him, he's out of warranty, blah, blah, blah. But my brother's a marine mechanic, uh, gives him my best mate's marine mechanic, and we're all friends. We're in a, we're in a tight friendship group and we're discussing this stuff all the time. Yeah. And I said... Right, Robbie, we need to get your ass end of your boat up because you can't. You're not getting on the plane quick enough. It's too much drag in the water. We need to lift it a hole. Blah blah blah. So we've gone a four blade prop, and what the four blade prop does, it actually lifts you up and pushes that boat out of the water. That so it grips so it, the water quickly. Well, and also it also pushes the nose on the plane better. So it's actually, it lifts the the, the the ass up and pushes you forward rather than the three blade grabbing in and pulling the nose up. We went four blade prop, so it literally pushes the pushes the backside up and throws you forward so you get on the plane quicker. So there are purposes for them. You can't just throw a four-blade prop on every single boat. You just you need to and get more torque and this and that because you're going to blow engines up. And of multiple, I've, I was at Melbourne Marine Centre the other week and a guy got one propped and he come in and Andrew's like, well, you're not under warranty, mate, because you, you're like, you've literally gone against everything we've said. Like, we can't cover that. Like, Mercury, it's not us, it's Mercury one. You've gone, yep. we, we've sent you out with this prop for a purpose and a reason. Yep. If you had an issue, we should have got Mercury here 
and gone, right, how can we fix this issue that you want? Exactly. You can't just throw something on a, a, a boat. Yep. It's like putting a tractor tyre on my Amrock. It's just yeah. not going to work. Yes. So yep. you, it'll work, but you're going to cause other issues down the line. Exactly. So it's, it's about getting it done properly. Speak to your marine dealer, whether it's Melbourne Marine Centre, Geelong Marine World, Davy Marine, wherever it is, yep. speak to your dealership, explain what you want, Get the professionals from Mercury or whoever you want down there, like you and I did. Yep. I know they spent 10 hours getting your props right on your two engines as well as configuring it with your Optimus steering, so uh, your Optimus joystick control. So it is a process and a half, but I would spend the money in getting it prop right if you want to have that performance, especially if you're a serious fisher, as I like to call myself, a serious fisher, and want to get yourself out of situations if you do want something to throw you out of the water, if you're crossing a bar like the Rip or Naruma Bar, whatever it is. So go get it done properly, see your local dealer, and uh, they'll sort you out. That's Red's review for Club Marine. That was Red's review for Club Marine. Insure your boat or jet ski with Club Marine, Australia's leading provider of boat insurance. Check the PDS to see if this insurance is right for you. You're listening to Real Adventures with Patrick Dangerfield and Aaron Hadgood. Welcome back to Real Adventures. It's time for Red's Tip. Redman, what are you sending us into the weekend with? I, I just forgot, but it's come back to me again. I forgot what we're going to do. We're doing scale bags this week because yeah. the reason for it is that multiple reasons that you need to have it on the boat. Uh, we haven't done this for ages. So that was the reason we come up with it is they literally save you so much time off the, the, off the water. Like yeah. it, it, On the water, it takes a little bit to do it, probably an extra five minutes, but it saves you about an hour at home. So and you, no mess, no mess line. No mess. The scale bags will scale your whiting. They'll scale clean, clean your squid. I shouldn't say scale your yep. squid. So what I like to do with the squid, there's two ways you can do it. Pop the heads out, cut the top of the hood off, and throw them in like that. And what that will do is actually keep the rings for you, so you can actually make calamari rings, rings as such. Yes. But the way that I like to do is I, I, I like cooking strips of calamari. So what I do is I hold the head in my hand and let the hood flop, um, flop down. I grab my sharp knife and I just open open up straight up the guts of the calamari and I chuck it in the bag and it cleans oh, the head. And, yep. and the wings are still attached, but it all is crystal white. It's beautiful yep. white and ready to eat. Saves you so much time not popping in sack, ink sacks at home, yep. covering the bench and whatever you need. But the, All the, the front lawn. And well, for the guts. whiting, it just saves so much time. But then the other reason you need a scale bag too. Now, I run the Hook'em scale bags to scale my whiting. They're a tumbler bag and they, they turn so nicely in your wash with the float on the back and they keep them afloat. Now, whiting, when if you do lose a couple out of the bag, they will float. Squid don't straight down to the bottom. So you make sure you're quick onto those. Yes. But the other scale bag I want to recommend is your $5 one from Kmart, your green one, which will be no worries for your whiting too. I've used them for years. They work great. But you're chasing a shark. It's always good to put a burly log in a scale bag and shake the scale bag. It cuts it up really well. So there's a couple of reasons that you do need a scale bag on your boat, and that's Red's tip. It's now time for the flying gaff, and you wouldn't really fill me in. All I know is it's got a little bit to do with ScoMo, but you wouldn't yeah, tell ScoMo. me why. The, the gaff this week is heading to our Prime Minister of Australia, Scott Morrison, and he had a, a media opportunity during the week, Redman. I don't even know where this is going. And, and we will see these continually from, from all levels of politics as we head towards an election. It's about finding When's those. the election? It'll be at some stage. <laughs> It'll be at some stage. Oh, this year? Yes. Yeah, right. Okay. Do I have to vote? Well, yes, you do. I'll vote, I'd vote for you before half these other people. Anyway, so they're, they're all about getting these opportunities and these uh, these great moments to to share with people, to, to show how they're like the... 
these politicians are like the everyday Australians, like the everyday hairdresser. He's just playing a violin or whatever he was playing? Or the... the <laughs> I saw him yes. playing a violin. Wasn't that a shock? Well, this was worse. He, Sky, Skymo, <laughs> our, our good buddy Skymo, has been uh, has copped a bit of flack for his uh, his welding effort during the week, where he obviously went out to a uh, an industrial estate and he's got the welding gear, got the welding mask on, and then he decides we're not sure why. Uh, well, maybe you can't be recognised unless you lift up the mask. He decides to lift up the welding mask. I don't think we're going to see him at Stabycraft or any of sort of... Uh, ta- he's not going to get Tellwater this week. Pretty happy with that. And then, <laughs> and then opens up to and then starts welding with the mask above his head. So uh, we're pretty we're pretty sure ScoMo isn't going to get a job at Tellwater. Stabycraft I haven't he's not going this. to be part of the payroll where he literally just stands there and welds without the mask on. So, One positive is he now can't see. <laughs> no, he, def- he, he definitely can't see. ScoMo has got the flying gaff for his uh, his rather poor effort at welding. But we look forward to many sort of uh, photo opportunities with all uh, the pollies over the Have next few Scomo? months. Have you met ScoMo? No, I haven't met ScoMo. Do you want to? Um, well, I don't. I definitely don't want him doing my welding from now on. So, oh yeah, you just showed me the video. <laughs> What an idiot. <laughs> you can't say that. Thanks for your company this morning. He obviously doesn't have a pacemaker because I'm at a weld. <laughs> On Real Adventures. We'll see you next week, Aaron, spending the time up in Burmy. So he's Hopefully have he'll a... join you during the week, Pat. Yes, he'll have a great report on, uh, on all things Billfish up there. See you next week. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.